coming up. He's been depressed. All of a sudden, he can't do anything. Why are you depressed, Alvy? It's something he read. Was the Big Bang the first event, or simply the first event that we can know about? The universe is expanding. The universe is expanding? Well, the universe is everything, and if it's expanding, someday it will break apart, and that will be the end of everything. If there was no one there to hear it, how could there have been a Big Bang? What is that your business? He stopped doing his homework. Can we meaningfully ask what happened before the Big Bang? A Big Bang is an event. Events occur in time. So how can the Big Bang create time? I guess it's Catherine Fries from the University of Michigan. The Big Bang, before and after. Coming up on Philosophy Time. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I did for 40 years. 40 wonderful years, my friend. Now today, we're thinking about the Big Bang, the before and the after. This is the third episode in our wonderful series, A Philosophical Guide to the Cosmos. They say the Big Bang gave birth to the entire universe, Ken. That must have been a hell of an explosion. Well, you know, I think technically it wasn't actually an explosion, John. Huh? Why not? Well, because think about an explosion. That involves a rapid expansion outward from a center, like when a bomb or a grenade goes off, and, and you get matter and energy being thrown outward in all directions. Well, that's, that's just how I imagined the Big Bang. But it couldn't have happened that way, not, not literally. That's because notions like outward or center only apply to things that happen in a place. But as I understand it, the Big Bang actually didn't happen in a place. Huh? Where did it happen then? Nowhere. There's no place where the Big Bang happened. Come on. Everything happens somewhere. That's what we call in philosophy a priori. Yeah, but everything subsequent to the Big Bang, it's true. that's true of everything subsequent to the Big Bang. But it's not true of the Big Bang itself because the Big Bang, as I understand it, is what created space in the first place. Look, space is just there. And then things happen in it. They don't create it. Well, no, you know, you're thinking like Newton. That's what Newton thought. He saw space as sort of like this infinite, pre-existing, absolute container that encompasses all matter and is eternal. But that's not how modern science thinks of it. Oh, that Newton, you know, he had a lot of common sense and grew good apples, too. But put your modern, fancy physics aside for a second, Ken, and ask yourself philosophically where space could possibly come to an end. What would be on the other side of the end of space? I believe that's one of Kant's antinomies. It was one of Kant's antinomies, but that's the wrong way to think about it, John. Says you. Look, even modern cosmology says the universe is expanding, right? Well, yeah, that's true in a sense. Well, if it's expanding, it's got to be expanding into something, and that would have to be pre-existing empty space. Yeah, well, okay, strictly speaking, I think physicists might say to you, the universe isn't really expanding in that sense that you mean. Not, not exactly. It's more like, it's more like, I don't know, it's more like it's stretching. Stretching? <laughs> what does that mean? Does space belong to a gym? No, no. 
It means that space is still being created, even 14 billion years after the Big Bang. And you know what? As I understand it, it's being created everywhere. It's being created between galaxies. It's being created within solar systems, even within atoms. The only thing that keeps atoms from flying apart is the strong forces acting in, in, there, in there and resisting this thing. That's why everything in the universe is getting further and further away from everything else in the universe because there's more space being added all the time. Well, I get it. Well... I think I get it. Actually, I don't think I get it, but let's shift gears anyway. Cosmologists also claim that there was no time before the Big Bang. Does that mean that just as there was no space, no place where the Big Bang happened, there's also was also no time at which it happened? I don't think that follows at all, because they say the Big Bang happened some 13.7 billion years ago or so, so there was a time when it happened. Well, how can that be if there was no time? Well, the Big Bang, I think it's sort of like the Big Bang is the, like the absolute zero of time. It's the point to which all timelines in the universe converge. Ah, there's point zero in time. And it's also the point before which there are no other times. Well, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, it, it, nothing's colder than absolute zero, and nothing happened before the Big Bang. But it raises the question... Didn't something have to cause the Big Bang? What would that be? Well, why couldn't there have been a cause of the Big Bang? You got a problem with that? Well, causes precede their effects in time. Unless it's like God, but I don't think physicists are claiming that. If nothing preceded the Big Bang, where did it come from? Where could it have come from? I'm not sure that scientists know the answer to that question. That's a good question, but I don't think they know the answer. Well, I'd say it's not just that they don't know. How could they possibly know? When we reach for explanations beyond the Big Bang, aren't we reaching beyond the limits of science? Well, I'm not sure that follows, John. I mean, maybe, maybe it's true that our old familiar concepts of space, time, and matter, which maybe aren't so familiar, and even cause and effect break down at the Big Bang. But, but those aren't just any old concepts, Ken. I mean, I think Kant called them transcendental, a priori. Those are the very concepts that we use to construct a world out of our experience. I mean, humans, including scientists, can't know anything once they throw away those fundamental concepts, can they? Uh, But, you know, one thing science is really good at, I mean, we've already proven that, it's good at thinking up strange new concepts to help us better understand things that at first seem utterly incomprehensible. That's what science does. Uh, I think I would take a different perspective. I I think science is good at coming up with strange new concepts that make things utterly mysterious that before they got into it made perfectly good sense. You, so you don't think science can solve all the mysteries of the universe? So would you prefer religion, perhaps? Well, not necessarily, but not necessarily not. I think there's a lot of wisdom in religion. It's been dealing with stuff that's really hard to understand for a long time. There might be some wisdom there. So I'm not ready to place all my chips with science. Well, you know, I'm not sure I share your, your, your hesitation there. But I do know that there is a lot to ponder here. Well, to give us even more to ponder, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantare, to track down the ultimate origins of the universe. That's quite an assignment. Yes, it was a long trip, but Shuka made it back, and she files this report. In the beginning, there was a big bang. It It probably sounded nothing like that. We don't know what it sounded like for sure, but here's what we do know. After that initial bang... A sea of neutrons, protons, electrons, and other trons were flying around space. 
a very tiny space. A millionth of a billionth of a billionth of a billionth of a second after the Big Bang, our universe was contained in a region smaller than the size of a single atom. Lawrence Krauss is a physics professor at Arizona State University and author of A Universe from Nothing. He says as this tiny universe cooled, it reached a temperature where atoms were created. Nine billion years later, we had the sun and planets and solar systems. Fourteen billion years later, we have us. Krauss thinks there's two main theories for what came before the Big Bang. The first is nothing. There was no space, no time before that, and it suddenly popped into existence. If that's the case, then all these classical ideas about causality go out the window. Krauss says you can't seek a cause for the Big Bang because cause and effect are elements of time, and time may not have existed before the Big Bang. Physics forces us to change the, our understanding of things, and it may be to understand the origin of the universe. We have to give up, up these notions, these quaint notions like cause and effect at the, when it comes to the beginning of time. He says the idea of having no cause for the Big Bang may seem classically ludicrous, but it's not. Take quantum mechanics. The notion that a particle can be in two places at once seems ridiculous. It seems to violate all logic and common sense, but that's the way the world works. And so it seems impossible to imagine that the space that we inhabit could somehow not have existed and then suddenly existed. So that's one theory of what happened before the Big Bang. The other is the possibility that there are other parallel universes all around us, that we live in a multiverse. Some of these universes are spontaneously being created right now, while others are collapsing. It could be that the multiverse is eternal, that, there, that it'll be around for an infinite amount of time, there may be an infinite number of universes. Krauss says the only way we'll learn more about space isn't through speculation alone, but through observation. These questions won't be resolved by a priori notions of what's sensible or classical logic. They'll be resolved by exploring the universe, and nature will be the ultimate arbiter of what is sensible and what isn't. Scientists say after the initial Big Bang, the universe expanded. And many believe it will continue to expand forever. The space between galaxies will grow farther and farther apart and no longer be able to sustain life. Then we'll have what's called the Big Freeze. But don't worry, humans will be long extinct by then. And with that happy thought, I'll hand the mic back over to John and Ken. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.